What's going on, world? Welcome to another week and another episode of the RJO Show. I hope you're having a great day, a great week, a great month, a great year. You should be having a great month, and you know why, because we are officially in August, which means one thing and one thing alone, and that is that football is here. That's right. Today we're recording on Tuesday, August 2nd, and this Sunday, football, the NFL, the National Football League is back in our lives. The Pro Football Hall of Fame game gets going, and it's a really exciting thing. We're really excited. The Green Bay Packers and Indianapolis Colts will be kicking off at Fawcett Stadium in Canton, Ohio, the home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, obviously. And it's just we did it. We did it. We survived. We made it all the way through uh, through an NFL offseason. It's always a, a difficult, a jungle gym of disappointment and fear and irrational feelings. And so um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Hall of Fame weekend. Um, you know, the Hall of Fame means a lot to me. I've talked about that a lot on here. I enjoy the enshrinements, enjoy the Hall of Fame game. I enjoy the gold jacket dinner that is on Friday nights where the enshrinees get their jackets. And uh, it's exciting. Today, on Tuesday, the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced the official speech order, uh, which is interesting. Typically, the, the biggest name in the house, if you will, gets to go last and sort of, you know, end the night on a good note. And uh, this year, in order, we have Marvin Harrison, who has always been sort of a quiet character in his NFL career. Kind of makes sense that he would want to go first and get it over with. Orlando Pace will follow him. Dick Stanfell after that. Kevin Green... Ken Snake Stabler, who is a big subject on today's show, and I'll tell you why in a second. Eddie DeBartolo Jr. will follow Snake. Then Tony Dungy, who I think is going to give the best speech of the night. And finally, to close the night, the old gunslinger, Brett Favre. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think Brett is actually going to have one of the worst speeches. You know, the guys that they typically put at the end, like I said, are sort of the household names, the big dudes. They try to, you know, almost they, they go over the top with emotion. And we've seen that before with certain players. You know, I remember when Michael Irvin went in Hall of Fame class of 2007. You know, he made it sound like he didn't have any notes. He hadn't done any preparation, whatever. And I think that's what Farr is going to do. And he's just going to go up there and try to go off the cuff, which is going to be probably kind of awkward if you saw his Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame enshrinement a year ago at Lambeau Field that was kind of awkward I think and I'm just gonna say now the part where he gets to you know talking about his career as a member of the Minnesota Vikings is going to be super awkward he's gonna try to make a joke like oh yeah you know I only retired that one time and you know people are gonna laugh because of the awkwardness and we'll all be laughing at home but that's gonna be cool Anyway, like I said, I hope you're having a good week. Hopefully that wasn't too awkward on my part. I've been having a great week. Um, on Monday, it was my mom's birthday. just want to give her another shout-out. Happy birthday, Mom. I talked about that everywhere because I should. It was a great day, and I'm, I'm hoping it was a special one for her. I talked about it on the Inside the Pylon podcast. You can check that out. Uh, you can tweet at me at Cho and I'll get you that episode. I was on their Quick Kicks podcast on Monday, August 1st. Also talked about it on Ocho Live on Monday, and we'll be having Ocho Live again on Thursday, as is usual. Um, and... I've also started Stranger Things, the Netflix original series, and my goodness, it is so good. It's so addicting. I'm about halfway through it, and if you spoil it for me, I'll be devastated, so please don't do that. But it's uh, it's a cool show, and I'm really digging it. It kind of has like a, a Goonies sort of uh, adventures in babysitting hybrid vibe, which I really enjoy. Speaking of shows, though, let's get started with some NFL news. And Monday, August 1st, was a big day for somebody other than my mom. It was a big day for JoJo Fletcher, The Bachelorette. The uh, The current season of The Bachelorette aired its finale on Monday, August 1st. And she chose between Robbie, the former uh, competitive swimmer, is what he was listed as, and Jordan Rogers, the ugly uh, duckling in the Rogers family, Aaron Rogers' brother, whom he doesn't ever regard as his brother, really, and Jordan won. So Jordan Rogers won something, not the Super Bowl like his brother Aaron Rodgers in 2010. He won the love and affection of JoJo Fletcher, and so that was kind of cool. I thought that uh, I tweeted on Tuesday that Robbie got crying Jordan in a whole new way that we had never seen before, and I thought that that was really clever. And you know what? It was clever. I stand by it. Robbie got crying Jordan in a way we'd never seen before. I'll say it again. Anyway, moving on to actual NFL news. The Bachelorette is important. On a scale of 1 to 10, it's probably like a .7, if we're being honest. Let's move on to things that really, really matter. And, um, 
you know, obviously I'm a staff writer for IntoTheStar.com and there's a lot of things going on with the Dallas Cowboys. They're at training camp. And something that I talked about on the Inside the Pylon podcast is that people think Tony Romo is fat. Well, you know what? Tony Romo is not fat. He is the victim of poor camera angles. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, a picture came out last Saturday uh, where Tony Romo was running and it was just a poor, poorly timed photo that made him look a little hefty. And he's not. Uh, but again, I said this on the Inside the Pylon podcast, I'm so disappointed in all of us, society, that nobody made a crownies joke. It was right there. It was just waiting for us just to make it, and we didn't. We failed. Uh, but hey, Tony Romo is not fat, but somebody else who is making headlines for the Dallas Cowboys, Damian Wilson, the second-year linebacker who the Cowboys are going to need because they need all the linebackers they can get because Rolando McClain, it turns out, word trickled out on Tuesday, is apparently, and this is a really serious thing, I know I'm, I'm sort of in a lighthearted type of mood here, Rolando McClain is apparently addicted to purple drink, which is a combination type mixture of Sprite and codeine. And, you know, I, I'm not an expert in that field, but um, it's not good for you, as you can imagine. It's, uh, it's a drug uh, mixture, and he's apparently gained 40 pounds. So uh, the Cowboys are going to need some linebacker depth, and they will be without Damian Wilson for a little bit of, of time at the beginning of training camp because Damian Wilson was hit in the eye with a paintball. This is a real thing that an NFL team is having to deal with in, uh, in the bright, sunny days of August, which is just unbelievable. But uh, hopefully Damian Wilson is okay, and uh, he gets back to some, you know, some full health, regains his vision. He's going to need that. And maybe from this point on out, not only when he plays paintball, Damian Wilson will wear a visor um, you know, at all times. But let's talk about some extensions before we get to other injuries and things like that. I want to talk about some contracts. The Oakland Raiders extended their general manager, Reggie McKenzie, to a new deal and that's a big deal today on the rjo show you know why because i'm going to pause what we're talking about here the raiders are the subject at hand obviously and reggie mckenzie and his extension but today's guest is none other than the princess of darkness okay now if you don't know who that is you are not a hardcore nfl fan because the princess of darkness refers to amy trask the longtime you know worker for the oakland raiders and the former ceo of the Oakland Raiders. That's right. Amy Trask is one of the uh, highest ranking women ever in the history of American professional sports. And she is currently an analyst for CBS Sports. She does a great job um, over at CBS. And she does a great job in terms of her overall kindness because she took the time to have a conversation with me. We talked about the Raiders, obviously, and Snake Stabler and his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is why I alluded to that earlier. And, um, yeah, I just want to let you know that we talked to Amy Trask, and you're going to really enjoy that, I promise you. And um, she's enjoying the Raiders as they are now, in large part due to Reggie McKenzie. I mean, this is somebody who found Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack. You, you look around the NFL, you look at players under the age of 25 at such important positions for their teams, positions that these guys play, quarterback, wide receiver, and then however you want to classify Khalil Mack, whether that's as an outside linebacker or a defensive end, basically Khalil Mack, his classification is disruptive force. And Reggie McKenzie has found a way to bring these guys in. You know, originally when his tenure began, he was all about getting some aging veterans and people thought the Raiders were just the same old, same old, brought in guys like Justin Tuck and Maurice Jones-Drew, and it just didn't work out. And it does seem that the Raiders are set up for a lot of success in 2016. Their core is there. Their core is so strong. They have a lot of talent. It looks like the Denver Broncos are going to take a step back. The Chargers are a mess, and the Chiefs are there to be a... Uh, you know, to be handled. But uh, I don't want to get too much into the Raiders because that's what we'll do with Amy here in a little bit on the show. Moving on, Rick Smith, the Texans general manager, he signed his own extension, which is a big deal because Rick Smith has done a great job of building a competitive team despite having a solid, you know, level of stability at the quarterback position. Rick Smith sort of put all his eggs in the Brock Osweiler basket this offseason by bringing him into such a high contract. But Rick Smith has cultivated talent there in Houston. Guys like J.J. Watt, obviously. Guys like Whitney Merciless. Guys like Brian Cushing. You know, finding a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, who we're going to talk about in a second. And the jury's still out on Jadeveon Clowney. But still, Rick Smith is uh, one of the, I'd say, one of the more underrated general managers in the National Football League. And I think he proved why he is so great at his job 
last weekend because DeAndre Hopkins, who we just talked about, and you know he's on the menu right now. And just warning, this is a bit of a, a you know an abrasive issue. DeAndre Hopkins decided, I'm going to hold out. I want a new contract. I think I'm a top receiver in the National Football League, and I want to be compensated like I am. That's fine, DeAndre. That's great. You just, you know, you happen to be entering, you know, the fourth year of your rookie contract. You've already had your your fifth-year option picked up. It doesn't make any sense for the Texans to negotiate with him. And, you know, we've gotten into contract specifics here on the RJO show before. If the Texans were to to extend or or sign DeAndre now, they would be setting a precedent for any player entering the fourth year of their first-round rookie contract. They did break this precedent, obviously, for J.J. Watt a few years ago. But J.J. Watt is a transcendent player at his position in the National Football League. DeAndre Hopkins is not of that variety. And uh, DeAndre, he huffed and he puffed, and he said, I'm going to hold out, just watch. And he held out for one day, and then he came back. DeAndre Hopkins, ladies and gentlemen, really firm believer in his own philosophies. Now, a lot of people think that DeAndre merely held out for one day and took some media backlash like he is here on the RJO show just to send a message like I'm not happy with my contract and I want it to be, you know, on the table for us to discuss in the near future. But whether that's the case or not, DeAndre Hopkins is back with the Houston Texans. They are getting ready for 2016. Meanwhile, out in San Diego, Joey Bosa is still holding out, which just makes no sense. He is the lone unsigned first-round draft pick from the 2016 NFL Draft. The, you know snag in this issue kind of comes down to when the money is handed out to Joey Bosa, uh, whether it's now or in March of 2017. And this is just absurd. You know, the whole purpose of the rookie CBA and or the, the new CBA and the rookie contract and everything is so that these issues don't happen. They don't rise up. But here we are, and Joey Bosa is not in training camp yet for the San Diego Chargers, and hopefully he will be soon because that team desperately needs him. Um, and a team that knows desperately about needing somebody is uh, somebody who also lives out on the West Coast, the Arizona Cardinals, who on Tuesday agreed with Tyron Matthew, as some of you know him, as the Honey Badger. We talked a lot about him with Shannon Furman when we discussed All or Nothing here on the show. The Cardinals and the Honey Badger agreed to a five-year, $62.5 million deal with $40 million guaranteed. The Honey Badger is arguably the best safety in the National Football League, and he's come a long way since the days of his character concerns when he was leaving LSU and entering the NFL. You know, you look at him, and he's got just the perfect cast around him to help him excel he's got Patrick Peterson his LSU brethren he's got Bruce Arians a coach who knows about being casted off and believes in him and so yeah this is a great deal obviously he's coming off of that torn ACL that he suffered in that Sunday night game in Philadelphia last season but uh, if there's one player on the Arizona Cardinals you can bank on it's the Honey Badger so congratulations to him some other signings to report really just one Dwight Freeney the star pass rusher who had a great season accumulating eight sacks for last year's Arizona Cardinals it was announced on Tuesday August 2nd that he is signing with the Atlanta Falcons so uh, Dwight Freeney probably the best free agent pass rusher left you know out in free agency is off the table he is living in the ATL don't tell Ursher because he's probably already excited but Two other things, two sad things to really talk about. Aditi Kinkabwala of NFL Network, she reported on Tuesday that Steelers cornerback Senquez Golson has a Liz Frank injury and is expected to be sidelined for 12 weeks. This is really, really unfortunate for Senquez Golson, last year's second-round draft pick by the Steelers. He missed all of 2015, and now he's going to miss probably three months of you know from here on out. It's really, I don't, I'm not going to say put his 2016 in jeopardy, but it's really going to hinder him and his growth and hinder his reputation. You know, people are going to say he's injury prone, this and that. And, and you know what that's like. You know, there's somebody on your team who you've dealt with to that degree. Really unfortunate. The Steelers don't have a lot of, of room on their, their defensive, uh, you know, defensive back rotation they do have Artie Burns maybe that's why they drafted him because they knew that they would need this depth but uh the Steelers division rival the Cincinnati Bengals NFL Network's Mike Garofolo reported that their first rounder William Jackson he suffered a torn pictorial muscle and he is likely to miss all of the season so the AFC North is in trouble in the defensive backfield we are not in trouble here though on the RJO show we're having a great time and after this break we're going to be bringing in Amy Trask to talk about the Raiders and the Hall of Fame so don't go anywhere. Come right back here on the RJO Show.
Cowboys Nation, training camp is here. Doesn't that feel good to say? The preseason is coming up right around the corner, and honestly, the 2016 season is going to be here before we know it. For all of your daily Dallas Cowboys needs, you need to be checking out InsideTheStar.com. At Inside the Star, we have the best analysis on what's going on with America's team, and we cater specifically to you, the voices of a nation. We've got everything from the latest news to game previews, player profiles, all the way to my bold predictions column that I write every single week during the season. Check us out on the web, follow us on Twitter at at Inside the Star DC, like us on our official Facebook page, or get with us on Google+, Snapchat, or our Instagram accounts. Let's get back to this episode of the RJO Show with special guest Amy Trask. Please welcome to the RJO Show, one of the premier football analysts for CBS Sports. I know her as the First lady, forever first lady of the Oakland Raiders. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Miss Amy Trask. How are you doing, Amy? I'm doing well, and I thank you for having me on. It's always um, my privilege and pleasure to connect with Raider Nation. Well, I, um, you know, full disclosure, Amy, I'm a Cowboys fan um, primarily, but I have a deep appreciation for the most historic franchises in the NFL, obviously the Raiders being among them. And um, you are, are obviously well-versed in this franchise, and uh, it's a big week for Raider Nation with uh, Snake's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this week. And, you know, before we get there, I want to talk about your involvement because, you know, people, you know, Amy, let's be honest here. You're a rock star. You're a superstar. You're a celebrity. You are the former CEO of the Oakland Raiders, one of the highest-ranking women in the history of American professional sports. I mean, what's it like to carry that badge of honor around? All right, let's not go get carrying away there uh, or carried away there. And let me back up one second and say I am certainly aware of your affinity for the Cowboys, and that's the fun of this sport, that we all get to root for the teams we choose. Um, the reason I mentioned Raider Nation is I saw that you put out a bit of a call for questions, and my and, and you, you indicated that we were going to talk a lot about Snake, which – a terrific, terrific topic, and um, therefore I was saying hello to all the Snake fans out there. Definitely. You know, I, I love that uh, we both refer to him as Snake. It bothers me when people say the Snake. You know, because it's just Snake. Let's let's make sure that we're clear for everybody here. And, um, you know, he's going into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, a lot, I think most would argue, too late. And um, it's it's a big deal, but before we get there, I want to remind you, if you uh, are unaware, today you and I are chatting on August 1st, and it's my mom's birthday, first of all, so shout out to my mom. Well, happy birthday to your mom. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, I'm an only child, so I'm sure she appreciates that coming from you in addition to me. But today, August 1st, if you're unaware, and if you are, I'm so happy and privileged to be the one to remind you, today is the 24-year anniversary of when Al Davis was enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Did you know that today? Well, I will tell you that I'm well aware of Al's enshrinement. I was with the team when he was enshrined. And by the way, you referenced that Snake's enshrinement was overdue. Mm -hmm. So was Al's. For sure. And you know what? So is your inevitable one, if we're being totally honest here. Um, but... uh, you got you got to slow your roll there, friend. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned at the outset that that you believe Snake's enshrinement was um, is overdue, and you know, I, I want to note one thing. You know, it is spectacular that he is being inducted posthumously. It is overdue, but the shame of it is that he's not alive for this moment. Absolutely. And while while many people are inducted well after they should be. And there are many people, um, former Raiders and otherwise, that I believe should be in the hall that are not yet. The real shame, of course, occurs when an induction occurs after someone passes away. So while Snake's family um, should enjoy this moment, I, I imagine it is going to be very, very bittersweet because these are moments people should enjoy while they're alive. And, and I don't simply mean snake, although that's very near and dear to me. But I really wish we, and, and I guess this is society as a whole, would do a better job of honoring people who deserve an honor while they're alive rather than after they're gone. Absolutely. And, and you know, to your point, it is unfortunate that 
you know, it takes, you know, potentially the death of, of somebody who deserves it to sort of, you know, wake them up to the fact that they belong in the Hall of Fame. And um, and obviously at that point it is, is unfortunate timing. Um, but, you know, um, it's going to be a great weekend. And I, I'll be honest, I, I love Tony Dungy and, and Brett Favre, but I'm most excited about uh, Snake's induction. I'm excited to see Coach Madden, um, you know, with his video induction. And I've been to the Hall of Fame twice, but I imagine that you have been there far more than the average person. Your, you know, your official tenure with the Raiders began in 1983 as an intern. Is that correct? Uh, you are absolutely right. Boy, how did you? Wow, yeah. I, most people point to when I joined as a full-time employee, but you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I began in 1983. Well, I um, I love the 83 Raiders, honestly, because um, as a Cowboys fan, I believe that the 83 Redskins were one of the best teams to never win the Super Bowl, um, you know, thanks in part to the, the Los Angeles Raiders. And, you know, people are so excited about the NFL returning to Los Angeles. The city has a Super Bowl title. You know, people need to, to recognize that. Um, but, you know, so you rejoined the team in, in 1987 before being appointed CEO in 1997. And throughout your tenure, 16 different Raiders were enshrined in the Hall of Fame. So have, have you been out um, to, to all those celebrations or just a handful or obviously no, Mr. Davis? Um, I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I thought you oh, were finished with your question. Um um, no, I, I absolutely was not at each and every induction, and I did not go to the Hall of Fame game every year. That's obviously um, a very busy time of year uh, in an NFL front office. You're readying for the season. There's stadium issues. There's ticketing issues. There's financial matters. So I didn't go every year, and I didn't go to every enshrinement, but I certainly went to games in which the Raiders played. I, I think it was 06 that we played when Madden was inducted. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went to some of the other enshrinements. Um, one that stands out for me, and boy, oh, boy, this did not pop to mind until you asked that question, was in 2002 when Dave Casper was right. inducted. I I didn't plan to attend that particular induction. Things were very busy in the office, uh, and it, it hadn't occurred to me that I would go. And several days before the induction ceremony, Al said to me, gosh, it may have only been a day or so. I want you to come to the Hall of Fame with me. Um, and, and I figured he meant because we could do work on the way there, we could do work <laughs> while we were there. And um, the night before the enshrinement, there's always a dinner. And Mm -hmm. at that dinner, the enshrinees, um, or if they have passed away, someone representing the enshrinee, line up on the stage, and someone from the teams, each team walks across the stage and and greets them. And, you know, in my mind, that's Al, right? Right. Who other than Al is going to walk across the stage representing the Raiders? And I was there. uh, Bruce Allen was there. He was with the Raiders at the time. But Bruce was there because his brother, George Allen, was standing in for their father, the late George Allen, who was being Mm -hmm. inducted. And we get to the dinner, and at one point Al says to me, oh, you're going to go do the greeting for the team, just go up to the stage. I I think he said that moments before, and I looked at him. Al Davis, um, this man who had himself been enshrined in the Hall of Fame, looks at me and said, go represent our team on that stage, kid. And um, that was quite a moment for me. And, look, I don't mean this to be all about me. We should be talking about Snake. But that memory just flooded over me as we were talking. It was very meaningful to me. No, absolutely. And I I appreciate you sharing that story. And, and, you know, you you think about it, Dave Casper, obviously, class of 2002 in the Hall of Fame. That was a big year for for Raider Nation everywhere. So, I mean, I'm I'm sure the the collection of that year uh, really makes it special. Uh, for you and in that moment, I mean, you, you think about it, how many people in their lives have experienced that and, and that's a really great thing. Um, what are the, um, the hall of, oh, no, go ahead. I'll interrupt. I'm going to interrupt you one, one moment to tell you, um, the significance to me was being in that room and having Al Davis say to me, go represent our team. Kid. Mm-hmm. That was just a very meaningful moment. Now, and, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, I, I, I never met, I uh, had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Davis, but you can just hear that. You know what I mean? Just just hearing you, that, that quote, I, you can hear it in his voice. He's such, such a legendary figure and, and prominent figure in the history and in the growth of the National Football League. 
And, um, I mean, that that's such a great and cool story. Is that the most recent induction you've attended um, 14 years ago? Um, oh, no. I was there in 06. Oh, for Madden, right. Um, when Madden went in. And I know I was there subsequently to that, but I, I couldn't tell you the years I was there. Those two years in particular stand out. So while I did attend other ceremonies, I don't remember the specific year. And, and let me note this. Um, I recognize that there will be people listening to your podcast who are Raider fans, who are fans of Al Davis, and people listening to your podcast who can't stand the Raiders <laughs> and who are not Al Davis fans. But one thing I've learned um, over the course of my career is a point I made very often, and now that I do my work with CBS, um, I make this point as well. Whether you are a fan of the Raiders or not, whether you are a fan of Al Davis or not, one thing that no one argues with, including people who may be Al's biggest attractors, um, what he did in terms of inclusiveness, hiring Tom Flores, then hiring me after that, and later hiring Art Shell, mm-hmm. he hired and he advanced and he promoted and he yelled at and screamed at and hollered at all of us without regard to race, gender, ethnicity, religion, and that's the way the world should work. Absolutely. I mean, the, the lens through which Al Davis saw the world is, uh, is something that I think we can all benefit from. And to your point, I think even if you're, you're not a fan of Al Davis, you enjoy the game of football all the more thanks to the contributions that he made, um, which is important as well. So, Snake, and I, uh, by the way, you know, I want to get to this later, but your book that's coming out this September, I've, I've got it on pre-order. I'm really excited. Oh, well, and, thank you very much. Um, and I know that Mike Freeman, your, your pal, helped you out with it. and uh, He sure he, did. He's got his book coming out about Snake, and I'm I'm really excited to read that. But, um, you know, obviously Ken Stabler's uh, tenure, uh, you know, with the Raiders preceded yours. What You know, what are your uh, your interactions with him and, you know, your time? Obviously, you know, you could – one would argue that he's the most prominent quarterback in the history of the Raiders. Obviously, that, that argument can go a whole lot of different ways. But, um, you know, what, what do you have uh, to say this week where, where Stabler is on the bunch? Well, certainly anyone who's familiar with what Ken did on the field um, does not need me to share about his accomplishments and and what he meant not only to the Raiders but to the National Football League as a whole. An absolutely spectacular football player for many, many reasons. What I may be able to share and to add that that people who um, had the pleasure of watching him play but did not have the the pleasure of uh, interacting with him don't know um, is what he was like off the field Mm -hmm. and you know when I started in the National Football League as you noted at the beginning I started as an intern in 1983 I joined the the team as a full-time employee in 1987 that was a long time ago I mean I don't even want to do the math you know it was (laughs) 1987 was almost 30 years ago I I don't even want to do the math right Um, there weren't a lot of women around let me mm-hmm. here's some breaking news for you. Um, <laughs> and I will tell you from day one that I interacted with Snake, um, he interacted with me without regard to gender. Mm-hmm. So whether we were watching a game together and boy oh boy, in the few instances I had the privilege of watching a game with him, that was a treat. Or whether we were simply in the same location talking X's and O's, um, we talked about football. We talked about the game. We talked about offensive strategy. Um, I asked him so many questions about what he saw and what he did and, and how he played the game. And we talked about current Raider teams as of the moment we were speaking. And it was just a, a privilege and a pleasure to talk football with him. And like the players that I interacted with throughout my career, and I do talk about this in the book, um, he interacted with me without regard to gender. And, and the reason I keep underscoring that is this was a long time ago. There mm-hmm. were no other women in football. Right. No, absolutely. And and it was, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, looking back, but uh, a rarity for somebody to, to have just that simple kindness. And um, and that's, I mean, that's so incredible. You know, you, you look at the life of Snake and, and obviously, you know, off the field people sort of just, 
you know, uh, chalk him up as, as this charmer, this, you know, you, you know, his personality and, and all the fun stories about him. But it's, it's comforting, you know, because, you know, as a, as a fan, I think it's easy to feel like you want these players who you root for, who you grow up watching or whatever, you want them, you want them to be good-natured people. You know, you just you hope and you, um, you believe that and, and you fantasize that they're kind people. And, and it's, it's so comforting, honestly, to me. And I, I think to the listeners that Snake was that kind to you. Um, so you know, would he would he ask you for advice when he talked to X's and O's? Would he say, you know, what should I call in this moment, or or what, what was that like? Well, it was more general football theory conversations. And and by the way, um, one you know, John Madden, of course, will give a video introduction, a video speech. But because he's not traveling, Fred Bolitnikoff will be there mm-hmm. in Canton. And um, Fred's another guy. Boy, you talk about a guy to watch a game with. Fred Bolitnikoff was just um, – that was spectacular as well. And, and I won't even go into the sort of teasing I gave Fred about his commentary on, on wide receivers. But it, we shared a love of the game and a love of the Raiders. And we talked – football in that regard. And by the way, I talked about more than just football with with Ken. I would ask Snake questions about on-field decision-making and situational football and and things of that nature. And Ken would talk to me about the business of football and Mm -hmm. and observations he made about the National Football League as a whole and the labor situation and, and front office issues. So it was just a very, very enjoyable give and take with, from my perspective, I was speaking with someone who was and will always be one of the premier legends of the game. Right, absolutely. And it, it's so so cool that just football serves as such a, a great uh, common denominator in situations like that. You know, you look at Ken Stabler, and, and I'd say, you know, you look at Amy Trax and you say, you know, I think there are people who, who have personalities that just belong to the Raiders. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you look at, at some people, some players, and they could have never been anything else. And, um, you know, I know that, that, that Snake traveled a bit um, in his NFL career, but, you know, just, just such a raider. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and, and, yes, he did travel. But if you say Ken Stabler to anyone who really knows football or you say Snake to anyone who really knows football, you know, the, if you did word association, the mm-hmm. word that will be next is raiders. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about a personality that is a raider. Um, I do discuss this in the book that you referenced. Um, I fell in love with the Raiders while I was a student at Cal. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in Berkeley going to school. The Raiders were right next door in Oakland. It was before the team relocated. Um, I I fell in love with them up there. I came back down to Los Angeles. The team came with me. I thought, well, you know, that's kind of common. The team's coming with me. Um, But one of the things, one of the many things that attracted me to the Raiders was you didn't have to fall into a little pigeonhole to be a Raider. Right. Al didn't care if you were a behavior problem, if you had been labeled trouble with a capital T. Look, I'm teased a lot by people that are within what I refer to as my village of friends and family because in kindergarten I was labeled a behavior problem. And I talk about this in the book. I, I spent more time standing in the corner in kindergarten than I spent doing anything else. And it's really a miracle. I'm not cross-eyed. I spent so much time in the corner. So people say to me, well, that's why you fell in love with the Raiders. You know what? That probably was one reason, which is Al was not looking for people who had to fit a certain mold. And it's neat that you would, you would bring that up on this, during this discussion. Well, I um, I, I mean, that just you know makes me love the Raiders all the more, you know, just because you can you can sense that disposition ingrained in the franchise, obviously in large part thanks to Al Davis. Um, you know, you you referenced your village, and obviously, and and you know, much to my happiness, you and I are Twitter buddies, and um, that's really we are you know, in the same Twitter village, <laughs> right? And you know, I've seen you you know use that that term before, and you know. Obviously, I reminded you it's been 24 years since Al Davis was inducted, and I would like to remind you that you joined Twitter a year ago. You know, now we're in August now, but it's, you know that marks 13 months. Um, I'm a big believer in in Twitter and the connection it provides people in the social media aspect. And so, you know, for somebody who's, who's got the wealth of experience that you do, how how is it um, in your experience? You know, as a, as a football analyst for CBS Sports, but also just enjoying the game because. 
I believe, and I said it before, that Twitter is the greatest sports bar in the world because it's fully customizable. You can invite in whoever you want. You can kick out whoever you don't. And it's it's your you know it's your plateau. How what you know what's your experience with Twitter been like? Okay, I swore, I swore, I swore, I swore to everyone and anyone that I would never, ever, ever, ever go on Twitter. <laughs> I, you know, I joined CBS Sports. Someone said, "Well, Amy, how about Twitter?" And before the word Twitter was even out of her mouth, nope, not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. CBS was terrific. Okay, don't do it. I ultimately decided about 12 and a half months ago, as you noted, I'm going to give it a try. But then I told everybody, and I'm going to hate it. I know I'm going to hate it. Well, let me tell you something. I have taken to Twitter like it is my mothership. I love Twitter. I absolutely love my Twitter village. Um, We agree. We disagree. When we disagree, we always do so agreeably. We are reasonable with one another. We are respectful of one another. We engage in reasoned and reasonable discourse. We engage in civil discourse. You know what? It's okay to disagree with one another, but we can disagree with one another agreeably, and Mm -hmm. that's what we do in my Twitter village. And I'll take this one step further. I love your analogy of it being a terrific sports bar. I think Twitter, and, you know, here I go, and you're going to think this is hyperbole. It's not. I really and truly believe that we collectively, as Twitter users, can use Twitter as a platform to help the world. Mm -hmm. And, yes, I know it. You know, people are going to say, oh, God, she went to Berkeley. She's from California. She's probably sitting there giving everybody the peace sign as she says this. The fact is, if people from around the world can use Twitter to have a reasoned and reasonable discussion, to correct one another when they're disagreeing in a disagreeable fashion, to say to one another, you know what, it's okay if we view things differently. We can listen and learn and and work together and problem solve, but we can do it by engaging in civil discourse. Well, then why the heck can't we use Twitter to have discussions with people around the world to problem solve? No, I I absolutely agree. It's a subject I'm deeply passionate about. I mean, you look at, I would say that 100% of the reason that you and I are having this conversation is because of Twitter. That's amazing. 100%. 100%. And, and, you know, that that connected us. I've I've had guests on from Australia, to your point, um, that that I've only and merely exclusively connected with on Twitter. And, you know, granted, we're just talking football here, but you're right. That, you know, umbrella covers – helping the world. I mean, the, the connectivity that it provides us, you know, we're, we're at a very special point, I think, in society and technology in 2016 that we have this tool. I mean, with, within your pocket, you can talk to literally anybody in the world, and that's an amazing thing. And what if families that live in warring countries or warring provinces or warring territories, what if mothers and fathers started interacting with one another? Mm-hmm. and shared, you know, we don't want our children growing up in this sort of environment. Let's look for our commonalities. You know, I, I just think there's an opportunity for us, but the, the rule has to be we can disagree as much as we want, but we're going to disagree agreeably. And you know what? That's what my Twitter village does, and I love my Twitter village, and I swear to you, if Twitter ever thinks of shutting down or going out of dis- a business, I'm going to have to form a group of people so we can do a leveraged buyout. <laughs> well, count me in to that group. Um, okay. Like, you're right. It's the respectfulness that, that makes it. You know, people, you know, I'm sure you know people think that they just argue on Twitter. I believe 100% you get out of Twitter what you put in. And so because you're a disrespectful person on your own, you know, that's the response you get and that's the environment that you cultivate. Um, you know, you you know, obviously you you've got a lot of uh, ties to CBS, and you know, you mentioned that right now. And you know, your experience with the Raiders is with you know one of the premier organizations in the National Football League. And I would say the same thing about CBS. They are, in terms of NFL coverage, the premier network on television. You know, it as a as a fan. I mean, you know, I'm I'm young enough that I've only ever really experienced Cowboys games on Fox, but I you know they belong on CBS. That's where the NFL was was raised, 
And so what's it like to sort of work for the Raiders of the broadcast world? It's um, a new adventure. Mm-hmm. It is, um, I am facing my biggest personal fear, um, and I, I mean other than in a life or death sort of tragedy situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest fear my whole life, ever since I was a very, very, very little girl, has been cameras. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, actually, I'm facing my biggest fear, which is being on a camera. So that's very scary to me. Um, but my teammates at CBS have been sensational. My first year, Bart Scott held my hand. And I don't mean that in a figurative sense. He held my hand between segments to calm me down so I wouldn't just get up and run out of the room, and I would have done a 4-4-40 probably. Um, <laughs> but all my teammates on CBS, behind the camera, in front of the camera, um, in the business side, they're just tremendous teammates. So it's making facing that fear of cameras a bit easier, and um, it's it's a new adventure. And I am surprised by how steep the learning curve has been And I look forward to, as I've said to CBS going into this coming season, I'm now past all my jitters, and I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to having fun. So someone better be near that bleep button, because I'm (laughs) going to just have a good time. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for you, and I think that's that's so sweet that Bart Scott would would hold your hand. Uh, Oh, he held my lipstick, too. He held oh my, my lipstick, God. too. I That's didn't so... know. You know, it's my first year. I didn't understand. Amy, you don't need to worry about lipstick. They actually have people who put your lipstick on for you. Now, that's a big treat. I didn't know that. So I would show up to the set each week, and I would hand Bart my lipstick, and he'd keep it in his pocket for me. Now, that's what I call a linebacker. Oh, my gosh. That's adorable. It's just, you know, you I th- people think of Bart Scott. You talk about, you know, word recognition. They think of the can't wait quote. Right. And, uh, to, to, you know, to know that. You know, every time I see him now, I'm just going to wonder if he's got lipstick in his pockets. Um, but, uh, but that's cool. What a cool. teammate, right? What exactly. a teammate. Seriously. And, and you know, maybe maybe it's within the linebacker, and linebackers will tell you absolutely positively. Linebackers will tell you they're the best teammates there are. Um, but just as Bart was a tremendous teammate to me, a year or so ago, I was trying to make a point And London Fletcher thought I was steering myself down a bad path. And you know what? Like a tremendous, tremendous teammate and a gentleman, he graciously steered me back, and I looked at him and I said, you linebackers are okay with me. Now, mind you, had I played the game, I would have chosen to be a defensive end in a Mm 4-3 or maybe, maybe a free safety. But I'll tell you, these linebackers have been good teammates to me. Well, that is really cool. Um, And really cool that that you would want to be at the end or, uh, you know, a safety, I imagine, you know, in your time, Howie Long might be near and dear to your heart, then maybe, you know, one of the, the star DNs, and, you know, sort of in, in the primary, you know, the beginning points of your time with the Raiders. Um, who's your all-time favorite DN, just off the top of your head? No, I don't pick favorites. That's okay. like asking someone to pick from among all the – no, I don't I – don't, I've been asked to pick a favorite player many, many, many times or a favorite player at a position. I don't pick favorites. I will tell you that I envision myself sort of as a, a defensive end – that specializes in third down passing situations. Mm-hmm. You bring me in, you point me at the quarterback and say, go get him. So that's sort of what I envision myself as a player. That's cool. And we'll, we'll draw a red X on the quarterback with your lipstick. Just, just, you, know, yeah, like, you know what? That was beautifully done by you. What a brilliant idea. Just there's the red X with the lipstick. Go get him. Exactly. So, um, you know, I want to talk about your book to sort of tie a bow on this. It's called You Negotiate Like a Girl, Reflections on a Career in the National Football League. And it comes out September 15th. At least that's what, you know, I have burned in my mind because I've been checking uh, my Amazon app every day since I pre-ordered it. What was it like to write it? Uh, I love to write. I really, really do love to write. Um, There was a time in my life before joining the Raiders that I thought, well, maybe I'll be a writer. So the writing part was fun. Uh, Mike Freeman, if there, is an, if there is an award given for the most patient, gracious, kind, and let me say patient six more times, <laughs> man, he is not only a finalist, he should win the award. Um, it was a little scary at times to think, I'm writing a book. Why is it that anyone in the world, other than, say, my mom or dad, 
are going to, why would anyone have any interest in what I would have to say? And the fact is, I don't know that anyone will have any interest in what I have to say, but it was fun to write it, and Mike was just a tremendous, tremendous teammate. Well, I can promise you there are a lot of people who have an enormous amount of interest, um, myself among them, and uh, I'm, I'm so excited for it uh, to come out September 15th. I'm so excited for September 15th in general just because, you know, we're back in football season. And yep. obvi- obviously, um, you know, you've got your CBS ties going on. What are you, you know, what are you most excited for this season? And I'll say that uh, the NFL returning back to Los Angeles is not an eligible answer. Just something you're excited for in 2016. Fair enough. Um, uh, you know, I'm excited for the same thing. Uh, well, you know, look, let me let me say something Raiders specifically, um, okay. but then let me say then let me talk to the league as a whole. You know. The, the AFC West is up for grabs this year. Mm-hmm. Denver has had, you know, a, a, some some significant depletions on the roster, and I'm talking defensively more than at the quarterback position, um, because you know, de- Denver's had some some depletions. The division really is up for grabs, and and the Raider organization has improved the roster. Um, in three areas that I think give them a real, real shot at perhaps even being a favorite in the division, improved offensive line, improved secondary, and more depth in the pass rush. And I think those three areas, you know, the games, in my view, are, are won and lost at the line of scrimmage, and an improved secondary is tremendous. Um, that division's up for grabs. What I'm looking forward to in the season as a whole is, and I'll try to articulate this Somewhat in, somewhat comprehensively, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the surprises. Mm-hmm. Every year we go into the season expecting certain teams to do well and certain teams to do poorly. And every single season, without fail, there are several teams on each end of the spectrum that surprise us. Teams that do that we expect to do well that don't. Teams that we have no expectations for whatsoever that surprise us and do very, very, very well. And that's the beauty of the game. Um, you know, there's that expression, any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm looking forward to those unexpected twists and turns. Well, it's, um, I mean, you know, uh, your, your pal Rich Eisen, I believe, once referred to the NFL as the greatest reality show on television. And it's because of what you're saying. It's completely and totally and unequivocally unpredictable in, in all aspects uh, of it, you know, from what teams rise up, what players rise up. I mean, a year ago, it feels like no one had ever heard of Josh Norman. And here he is, you know, he's got, I think, the highest rating on Mad now, you know, among corners. And um, that's amazing. You know, it's amazing that the players undergo such a, a significant change. And um, I think you're right, and I think you're really right on the Raiders. I, I do. I would say that they are the favorites now. I think the Chiefs are are still to be messed with to a degree, but the Broncos, I think, um, you know, it's universally maybe not agreed on the surface, but universally understood that they're taking a step back. Well, and we'll see because the other thing is, one can never, ever, ever control for injuries. Right. Um, it, you know, look. There's a player who's missing two to three weeks of training camp because of a paintball accident. Uh-huh. Those, and, and by the way, that's training camp, and I recognize that it's not going to affect the season, but my point in raising that is this. When you're in a front office, those are the things that just make you take your head and slam it repeatedly into a wall saying, paintball, really, paintball, we're losing practice time. Do, you know, I, it, it, it's, I sound a little bit like the coach. Playoffs, playoffs, you know, I <laughs> only paintball, paintball. Um, the unexpected happens. Teams are injured. Teams are injury-free. Look, last year the Raiders were, for the most part, injury-free, certainly at all the significant positions. Do the Raiders have that good fortune again this year? Um, can San Diego find a way to protect Philip Rivers, who can be deadly when he's not on the ground every single down? Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be fascinating to watch all the divisions unfold. Well, Amy, thank you so much. I'm so excited for the book. Um, what's your favorite page from it? Just throw out a random number. I'm really excited to read that. Page. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I don't even know what the pages <laughs> are. But let me take a moment and thank you. Um, we'll keep this our little secret, right? Of she course. says facetiously, knowing this is going to be on a podcast. 
This has been absolutely positively, without equivocation, one of my favorite podcasts ever. What a terrific discussion. Thank you for having me. Oh, stop it. You're going to make me blush, Amy. I'm, I'm so, uh, seriously. Well, I mean, then maybe uh, you should tweet a picture of your blushing face. I will, and I'll, I'll put the red lipstick X so we can go full circle here. But, uh, there you I, go. Uh, seriously, it was, uh, it's been one of the greatest thrills of my football uh, life, my football career, to talk to you. You know, as, as we, we discussed and we played around with, I'm a Cowboys fan, but, you know, it's, it's taken me a long time to, to admit this to myself, but more than, than loving the Cowboys, I just love the NFL, and I, I love the history of it. Um, I love all of the, the cast of characters that it includes, and the NFL is what it is today, you know, largely thanks to the footprint that you've put on it. And so as a fan well, of the Well, now you're going to make me blush, so well, okay, <laughs> let me nip that in the bud. But I will tell you this. That's the beauty of this game. We each love different teams, but mm-hmm. we all love the game of football. And let me tell you something. Without more than one team, there's no game to be played. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, uh, I hope that we both have uh, success in terms of the teams that we're, uh, you know, most, uh, you know, rooting for, I would say. And because, you know, I, I do feel this way. The NFL is a better place when it's classic teams are great. You know, when the Cowboys and the Raiders and the Niners and the Redskins, when those teams are great is when the NFL is awesome. Well, here's to the football season, um, and thank you for having me on. Really and truly one of my favorite podcasts ever. Thank you so much, Amy. Make sure you get her book on September 15th. I think we'll give away a copy to a listener. I'm excited about that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I, well, um, I, I'm excited to do that. Um, you know, I'll have one for myself, obviously, selfishly. But, um, but yeah, make sure you follow her at Amy Trask. Become a part of her Twitter village um, and, uh, and join her sports bar. Isn't that right, Amy? Well, and, and join our world bar, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. We, we talk about more than just sports. You know, there's lots yes, of we do. in the world. Uh, to talk about, and, and I can totally attest to the fact that Amy Trask is one of the greatest Twitter followers. So grateful that, uh, you know, you finally, um, you know, joined and are a part of this, this crazy madness. And I'm excited to experience this season. Hopefully we can get you back on at some point, check in love to. Um, on what's going on at CBS and the Raiders and just in the world of Amy, maybe around the book release. Let's do that. I'd love to. It would be my privilege and pleasure. Thank you so much, Amy. You have a wonderful day. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here, the host of the RJO Show. And as the host, it's my job to keep you up to date with the latest and greatest developments here on the RJO Show. So starting next week, the RJO Show is doubling in length. That's right. Starting next week with the 2016 NFL preseason, I'll be practicing my own in-season form with two episodes per week. Because if the pros are going to be practicing, then so should I, right? Every week here on the RJO Show, we'll have two episodes for you to digest. We'll put out an episode in the middle of the week to capture all the latest storylines and project into the week. And then on Sunday nights, we'll put one out recapping the madness that was that day. Get excited, everybody. This is what we've all been waiting for. Football is here. Now let's get back to this week's episode of the RJO Show. Francisco. What's going on, everybody? I thought that song was appropriate because Super Bowl 50 was in San Francisco. That's the last NFL game we saw. After you hear this, you'll be seeing the next NFL game, the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. Anybody? No? Bueller? No? That's all good. Thank you so much to Amy Trask, who you can and you absolutely should follow on Twitter, at Amy Trask. That's spelled exactly how you think it is, A-M-Y-T-R-A-S-K. Make sure you buy her book. And as you know, I give away a prize every week to somebody based on a trivia question on that week's episode of the RJO Show. We will be giving away an autographed copy of Amy's book, You Negotiate Like a Girl. Just as soon as it comes out, you'll have to be a little bit patient, but I know you will, so I appreciate it in advance. It was such a fun chat. Amy and I, this is not hyperbole at all. She is one of the most important people in NFL history, so to have her on the RJO Show was a complete thrill, and uh, I hope an enjoyable experience for you. If you liked the interview, let me know. Let Amy know. 
and uh, we'll try to get um, you know similar people back on next week. I can tell you that we will have Chuck Zada of Inside the Pylon on to talk about everything from NFL preparation. It's a, the first official week of the NFL. You think about it, games going on, and that's really exciting. But before all that happens, we will watch the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement, the Pro Football Hall of Fame game, which is awesome. And sort of the the closing thoughts that I wanted to give today were. My thoughts on the Hall of Fame and, and my thoughts on, you know, favorite speeches and, and things like that. And I can tell you, you know, if I haven't said it before, I've written it um, at InsideTheStar.com before. I really got into the NFL as a, as a kid in high school. That was when I, you know, and I, by got in, I mean started consuming it as much as I could. Everything I could get my hands on, articles, and this is pre-Twitter, uh, everything I could. This was about 2006. And so that's, since then, the class of 2006 was the first one that I watched in terms of Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinements. Um, and I have to say that my all-time favorite Pro Football Hall of Fame class is 2007. Now, I'll tweet this out if you want, um, but you can go watch pretty much every speech in the history of the Pro Football Hall of Fame or, you know, in the history of modern Pro Football Hall of Fame, I should say. You can't go back to, you know, class in 1970 or whatever. But the the class of 2007 was just – it was such an emotional, you know, ride, I'd say. Roger Worley, one of the defensive backs for the Cardinals, he, he told his wife, he said, can you believe I'm up here with Bart Starr, babe? And I thought that was so cool. You know, Barry Sanders, the late Barry Sanders, he, you know, my dad and I talk about this all the time. Barry Sanders, he was, you know, obviously Hall of Fame tight end for the Detroit Lions. He talked about how his mother died when he was a young boy. And when he played football, you know, as a professional and he played out his Hall of Fame career that he never got to look into a camera like all of his teammates and say, hi, mom, you know, like, like people do all the time. And he said that that always made him sad. And so at the very end of his speech, and this is one of my all-time favorite speeches, he, um, he said, so I'd like to, you know, something to the effect of, you know, so I'd like to take this moment. I'm in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is the greatest achievement in my life. And uh, he looked just stone cold into the camera and he said, hi, mom. And I mean, if you didn't just lose it, you were not human. And so that was a great speech that night. Gene Hickerson, the longtime offensive lineman for the old school Cleveland Browns, he uh, he was very sick and, and unable to give a speech himself. His son gave the acceptance speech on his behalf. But um, to the surprise of the whole crowd and all those watching at home, Gene Hickerson was wheeled out on stage after his son accepted his, his enshrinement for him. But what made it emotional is, um, like I said, he was wheeled out. He was being pushed by Jim Brown, Leroy Kelly, and Bobby Mitchell and the the whole symbolism of this is that you know they're all in the Hall of Fame and that you know Gene Hickerson blocked for them and so they said he's gonna lead us in one more time because he led us you know here and I thought that was just so powerful and uh, one of my all-time favorite speeches and and that was the year Michael Irvin went last I talked about that in the open and and he was really great you know, Jerome Bettis' speech last year was, was pretty interesting. He, You know, I think everybody saw from a mile away him saying something about how the bus would run in Canton. You know, we all kind of saw that coming. But I uh, I encourage you to watch. You know, it's, uh, it's an easy thing to dismiss because people hype it up as football, and it's obviously not football, at least Saturday night isn't. But this is, you know, as the Hall of Famers refer to it, this is the greatest fraternity in professional football. These are the greatest players to ever play this game. And uh, it's the game we love. It's the game we talk about here on the RJO Show. It's the game we can't wait to come back into our lives. And the the great part about the Hall of Fame is that it's sort of the kickoff to the season. You know, I mean, it, it literally is. The next day on Sunday, the Packers and the Colts are going to play a game. And, yeah, there's going to be some backups who play, but it's going to be 60 minutes of NFL football, which we can't wait to see, and I'm so pumped about it. Uh, I'll probably do an Ocho live stream on Sunday, uh, either before or after the Hall of Fame game, just because I'm so excited. Make sure you tune into that. Make sure you uh, tweet at Amy Trask and buy her book and thank her for coming on the show because I want to thank her from the bottom of my heart a million times. Check out InsideTheStar.com. We're just crushing stuff out right now, guys. Lots of Cowboys content. It's going to be a great year. Tune in to Ocho Live every Monday and Thursday. The times change a little bit just with my schedule. And you know what? 
have a great week. That's all I really want. I want you to have a great week. I want you to enjoy life, and I want you to enjoy football because those are the things that matter most. Life, family, friends, food, football. There's probably like three or four other things on that list, but I, I don't know what they are right now. So enjoy it. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. We'll be back next week with two episodes. Remember, as always, go Cowboys. And peace out. Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Standing on the wall